Hello, and welcome to the show Gold Squadron Gays. It's the podcast where two Star Wars-loving gays break down each episode of their favorite Star Wars TV shows, while also being gay as hell. I'm your host, Bradley Brower. And I'm Charles Rogers, currently staring at a blank white wall behind Bradley. What is it? A different blank white wall than usual. Bradley, uh, how are your arms feeling? Uh, tired. It was a long flight. Uh, that, was flight. A, that, that was a joke. My arms are tired because I was flying. Oh, Jesus. I hate, I hate you. I hate you so fucking much. <laughs> Just you kidding. I didn't fly. You can't do this. <laughs> you know, if Bradley's sound is a little bit weird this week, it's because he just moved. So exactly. I don't have any baby Yodas on the wall to catch my drift. You have noise. no baby Yodas. They they are such a vital, important part of this podcast. People don't realize it, but they capture all my Funkos capture the sound on the walls so that it, my voice doesn't reverberate around the world, basically. <laughs> Rather like those those flamethrower things that the Mandalorians have, uh, those awful, terrible little things which are my enemy and I will physically fight all of, do have some minor, very specific uses. Uh, I muffle my sound with books and Legos like an adult. I just realized I didn't um, write an intro to the show. Um... <laughs> you didn't write an intro to no, the show? No, you know how I do like a, you know how I always do like a summary or whatever? Like whenever we start talking about the episode, I just, I'm looking at my notes and I'm going two things you liked and one thing you did not. Oh, wait, where's my summary of the episode? <laughs> Did you not summarize the episode? Nope, but I'm going to do it on the fly once we get okay. to it. Okay, so special, special episode of Gold Squadron Games. <laughs> Bradley is just going to do the episode summary uh, uh, just on the fly. On the fly. I will correct him when he makes a mistake because it go. will happen. All righty. Well, I mean... We have nothing. Um, I was going to say. I didn't fuck anything up last week that, that I think go. I need to point out. Uh, there wasn't really any news we need to talk about, so let's get into it. This week, Boba Fett decided to work for a living by taking over Jabba's old job as a gangster. Unfortunately for him, no one seems to care. 40 is really tough for some people, especially clones. So I am going to cheat a little bit here, listeners. Um uh, we did have to briefly discuss that in a cut segment and in the intervening time. Uh, as Bradley was reading that out loud, I went, wait, he's not 40 in this? What? I mean, he what? looks pretty rough for no. 40, but... No, I went and checked. He was born in 32 BBY. This is five years after Return of the Jedi? Well, it's technically the same time as Mandalorian, right? So... It's five to eight. Yeah, it's five, five-ish. Uh, so if he was born in 32 BBY, and then plus three, plus five, yeah, he's 40. Damn. Damn. He looks pretty interesting for 40. <laughs> I mean, the man's been through a lot. Like, his well, wait, face let's, is awesome. Let's compare to how old is Tamora Morrison for real? Tamora Morrison for real is 60. And also, Tamora Morrison for real is very daddy. I was going to say, when he gets we, out of that... We will get to that. We will get to that. Uh, so, <laughs> Tim, babe, you're looking fantastic. Looking pretty good, Like, sir. absolutely looking fantastic. And we are aware that that is muscle <laughs> there. Like, you're looking great. Just punch me in the face, please. But 
Boba, if Boba's supposed to be 40, yeah. Yeah. Maybe 40 ish. Like, I mean, you like know, give Bo or Katan, take well, because Bo Katan and Fennec Shand are both like 60. I never realized the age gap between Boba and Fennec. Wait, huh? Oh no, she's 50. Fennec is in her 50s. Oh, I thought I thought you were gonna say Bo Katan was in her 50s, and I was like, Bo Katan's in like her 60s. No, what? Bo Katan. Bo Katan. Katie Sackoff, Bo Katan is supposed to be 60 (laughs) years old. She's in like her 60s, yeah. No, sir. I'm pretty sure I will Google this. No, sir. I will Google this. I will Google this right now. If that was true, I apologize to Katie Sackhoff right now for how dirty they're doing her and calling her 60 fucking years old in this show. Um, yeah, we uh, all we uh, no, the Maybe her dead know, sister is 60 years old in this timeline, but... Uh, we know it's 20 BBY was, when the fir- was the first time we see her, and she's probably about 20. Like Oof. I would maybe say. Can we give me pretend she's like 16? And she's, so she's 50. She's like 50, maybe. What the fuck? No. <laughs> that can't be true. Star Wars, Star Wars ages don't matter. They Clearly. Don't matter. <laughs> Clearly. Looking at you, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi aging. Jesus Christ. 50 no years. Way. 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Ages uh... are wild. Bradley, uh, give me one thing you liked about this episode and one thing you didn't. <laughs> okay, let's see. One thing I liked and one thing I didn't. Um, one thing I liked, Fennec Shand, great. Um, proves why he keeps her around, um, you know, what she's for, essentially. I, I love having her around, um, especially when you're pushing 40 and, you know, you, you can't fight as well as you used to back in the day, I guess. Uh, then, uh, you know, you got your nice young 50 plus uh bodyguard to help. <laughs> <laughs> um no i i love fennec i thought she was great um the thing i didn't like um honestly i didn't like that the episode ended like i felt like i kind of needed a little bit more i mean now i i know that general like story i'll say i'll call it will conclude in the next episode of, you know, who hired the assassins and blah, 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 blah. Right. right? But that's the thing I was kind of missing. Like I kind of needed an end to that blip of the story. I don't know why. I just felt like that would have been a really great premiere is if like you had the whole entire thing and the premise was setting up his struggle to become, you know, the head gangster or whatever. So you and I actually had the same dislike. Uh, I thought that the episode, it ended on kind of a weird note in the present day. So mm-hmm. I was kind of expecting maybe one more present day scene Agreed. to kind of wrap us, us up. Like, cause we have a complete arc for him in the past storyline, right? That storyline ends with him gaining the respect of the Tuscan chieftain. Yeah. It's very and beginning. Middle, and not yeah. a captive to them anymore right great great note to end but because the future plot doesn't really necessarily i feel like conclude on a very strong note i am kind of seeing what they're doing though with the flashbacks where it's like Mm -hmm. he it's gonna go into flashback when he's in the back to tank 
And the flashbacks are diegetic because they're dreams that he's presently having. Right. I see where they're going with that. But on the other hand, Finnick captures the guy. He goes into the back to tank. And that's just where the that plot ends. I'm not sure how you could do it any differently, though. Yeah. But one thing I liked in this episode... I liked a lot of the different creatures and uh, droids that we see just wandering around there. Mm-hmm. Like it has a very Jabba's palace sequence from return of the Jedi, just feel to the whole show in terms of just let's do weird aliens and let's do a giant 20 foot tall droid walking around in the background. Like I loved the different details to it, yeah. to that. Uh, I also loved a lot of other things that we will get into in my ridiculously long list of notes. Great. <laughs> but that's an overarching one that I want to bring up is the, right. the design of all of the creatures and just them hanging out in the background, the different droids hanging out in the background. Uh, it's just a real Jabba's Palace Return of the Jedi vibe. Agreed. I also liked the times that Tamara Morrison was shirtless. That's two likes. That is two likes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, he, he was he was great. I love that. Um, and before we actually get into the episode itself, uh, the yes. Star Wars logo changed. Um, I don't know if you caught it. I but, did um, not. Let me pull up Disney Plus. Pull it up. Pull it up and see. It's only the last two that changed. That I could tell let's let's pull it up here live on the air well <laughs> uh, let's see let's see there's phasma and mando uh what am i looking at here because i saw i saw what are the two that changed so the last two that changed are it is now boba fett's helmet and fennec shan's helmet Oh, I was just looking at the the normal normal thing. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That, I was just looking at the front thing that plays when you click on the Star Wars page. That oh, makes no. sense. I think there was some Bad Batch. We talked about yeah. this, though, I think, in the Bad it Batch. It changes with every single one, yeah. It changes with every show. Which is kind of a fun Easter egg, almost. Like, it's like a fun, like, little, like, hmm, I wonder what they're going to put in this one, you know? So I if like you're that doing. If you're doing like a podcast where, for example, you're two Star Wars loving gays and you're breaking down each episode of your favorite TV shows while also being gay as hell, Tamara Morrison, please call me. Uh, that would be the kind of fun thing that you would want to point out. Absolutely. All right, let's get into the episode. Bradley, I know you've prepared the summary, so take it away. <laughs> I did. Our story begins with a series of flashbacks as Boba Fett takes a nice bath into the back of the tank and dreams of his headless father. So I, (laughs) Jesus Christ, Bradley. Actually, no, let's skip ahead of my notes. I want to talk about that headless scene. Well, here, Um, we can just go in order. So, so literally the first thing we see is Kamino. Well, no, the first thing we see is Jabba's palace. Oh, I mean, in the flashbacks. I meant in the flashbacks. I'll, I'll go in order of the sequence. Uh, I just oh, wrote, okay. real fast want to bring up Jabba's Palace. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I feel like opening it with these shots, establishing it has two purposes. The first is very clearly Jabba's Palace is going to be a character in the show in its own right. Mm. 
that it is the seat of power. It is his claim to the throne is he is the one who currently occupies the palace. It is going to be integral to the show. So opening on it makes sense. The other thing is showing it empty with only him in there is important because as we will see later on as the episode progresses, the show is about him building up his empire. We have to have a place to start. Right. So it's important to show that it's empty to show the vessel that we will eventually fill as the show goes on. I told you my notes are extremely They're very extensive. Oh my goodness. They're very extensive. Um also uh immediate immediate shirtless Timura Morrison. Just immediate when he's in there. Yeah. Uh, we will point out every instance where Timura Morrison is shirtless, but okay. uh, I feel like a good portion of our audience already noticed. Uh yeah, let's talk about Camino and the the headless uh Geonosha flashback. Yeah, um, I thought it was weird, first of all, um, because I wasn't expecting the Camino scenes to like visually like just show up. Like, I don't know what it was. I was like, I was genuinely shocked for a second. And then I was like, wait, that's Camino. And then I was like, big year for Camino. Then it's Genosian. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. You got to think that's like, that's where he grew up. So it's like flashing yeah. back to that. I don't know if that was a shot from Attack of the Clones for Camino. For Camino, I wasn't sure um, because it was just establishing shots. They weren't anything specific. There was a shot of like obviously ocean and like, you know, the buildings and stuff, but that was it. And then you can kind of see Slave One in it. So that's what I'm thinking. Maybe it's like. Yeah. I don't know. I have to go back and watch it again and double check because I was like, "Hmm, maybe. But I also, because in the second flashback, whatever the, the Geonosis, Geonosis, I'm sorry. Um, Part of it is from Attack of the Clones. And I believe the other part where he's looking at the helmet is a new shot. That is a new shot. Yes. It was too clean. So I was like, somebody talked about it on Twitter I can't remember who it was that I think it might've been Daniel Logan that said that it was that the, the wide shots are, were at least filmed at the same time as attack of the clones. I don't know if they're the exact shots from the movie. They may be outtakes from the movie. They may be alternate takes, Mm -hmm. Uh, but the one of him holding the helmet that is new, that is using a double. And then that's Daniel Logan's face superimposed on it. Gotcha. As I, I figured it looked a little too new so i was like hmm. but now this makes me curious are they going to continue this trend moving forward in the hot hot that's funny i was gonna say moving forward in the flashbacks um in the future God. episodes i hate non-linear storytelling truly <laughs> truly i do truly i do so then in the um so the sarlacc Let's talk about the Sarlacc. Great <laughs> okay. Well, well, first of all, let me just say, um, in this one sequence alone, uh, I got three hits on my bingo card. All these flashbacks that I made. Yes. So I will definitely have posted your bingo card to Twitter by the time this episode goes live. <laughs> well, it's that on is Instagram. Definitely a thing. So. Yeah, it's on Instagram if you want to go look at it. And I will post it to our Twitter if you want to follow along. And then I'm gonna post the 
card with X's on it after. So the story is okay. going to progressively eat after each episode. I'm going to put the okay. X's as they go. Um, so in this one alone, I, so I had on my bingo card, I had Camino. So whether that was visiting Amazed or mentioned, that was, a, that was pure fucking luck. Amazed like that was pure fucking that. luck. Okay. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, I'm going to count this one because it's technically visually in the episode. Uh, I'm, I put Django on my bingo card. This counts. He is this technically counts visually his, in the episode. His fucking head was in the episode. So I have to count it. Um, and then also I have Sarlacc. So yes, that one almost would be a free space. Before we get into the Sarlacc, I saw this hilarious edit on TikTok of somebody who stitched together the scene of Boba climbing out of the Sarlacc pit. I I was going to bring this up, but please continue the story that you're going to tell. And the voiceover is from uh, the monologue scene in Parks and Recreation where he's monologuing and one of the things he talks about in his monologue, he goes, we see the hand of Boba Fett shoot out of the sand and <laughs> grasp Like the he ground. has the pan down and everything. Everything, everything, everything is spot on. Nailed it. It was like, how, nailed long ago, it. how long ago did that show come out? Like 20, this, this episode would have had to have been like 2004? 20, no, it would have been 2013. It? it would have had to have been 2013 or 2014 because they it, it mentions JJ. Oh, 2014, Abrams that's what I'm name. thinking. Yeah. It mentions, yeah, it's 2014 because it mentions JJ Abrams by name. Right. Because he was talking something about the Force Awakens, but he was like, yeah. this is the actual Force Awakens. This is how this real, is how I think yeah. he should start it. Yeah. So yeah, it yeah, hadn't yeah, yeah. come out yet. Right. Because he was making it up as he went along. Anyway, I just thought it was funny that they superimposed this current episode with his monologue. And I was like, that's pretty accurate how he said it. So I was like, that was great. Good for him, first of all. Um, second of all, the whole Sarlacc scene in general, kind of almost like a weird alternate dimension. Like I felt like we were watching the first couple seconds of what people thought the Mandalorian was going to be about before we knew anything about the Mandalorian. And that was it. Like that opening shot of the Sarlacc and everything. And I was like, that's what people thought the Mandalorian was going to be. <laughs> yeah when it jumps to him and he's inside the thing and i'm like wow this is uh a lot Um, (laughs) and like my i i am not personally claustrophobic but that made me uncomfortable with just how squished in it was right and how confined it was and i'm like wow this is supremely uncomfortable I also love how they added the sound edits of like him literally like garbling on like the inside. Like he literally couldn't breathe because like he had so much like fucking disgusting yeah. intestine juice in his throat or whatever. Like <laughs> there's a there's a famous piece of fan art uh, that kind of looks like this. I'm not sure whether or not it's a reference, uh, but it mm. looks like that piece of fan art. Yeah, which I thought was pretty cool. So people have been thinking about like. Boba Fett's escape from the Sarlacc for right. 30, long. 40 years. <laughs> 40 <laughs> years they've been thinking about, about how he pulled that off. Right. Uh, here's my question. I was discussing this with someone last night. Uh, how did the Stormtrooper get there? That was an interesting thing. Because I, no, I thought the same thing too. Because when I saw the Stormtrooper, I was like, there was no Stormtrooper on Java's barge. 
there was no, you know, so that thing had to, that person had to already be there. Right. And I was like, is there a garrison on Tatooine? Is Tatooine important enough to leave a garrison on? Because the stormtroopers we see in A New Hope are the stormtroopers from the Devastator that Vader sends down to go and retrieve 3PO and R2. So, like, maybe it was a stormtrooper that was there on the Devastator or got left behind. and like Because he got swallowed by a Sarlacc. Yeah, clearly. Like, did he just, like, stumble into the Sarlacc pit? Like, I need need to know how this stormtrooper ended up in there. Yeah, well, now they've left the door open for a uh, comic book series about that one stormtrooper who just they fell into the They probably address it. We will bring up comics. <laughs> we will bring up the comics several times in this episode. No, I thought that was weird, but I did like how he used the stormtroopers, quote-unquote, oxygen to kind of Yeah, so breathe. they're vacuum. They're vacuum yeah. sealed. Uh, stormtrooper armor can vacuum seal that we see them go out into space in rebels and that they can briefly vacuum seal their armor. So it would make sense that there was a little bit of a respirator still in there that Boba Fett could use. Uh, You know what else? Maybe. I don't know. Because if, if what you're saying before is that he falls in, in a new hope and then two years later, he's his oxygen. Three years later, but three years later. But you know what I mean? Like, is it still good? Like, it's still chilling there in the Sarlacc pit? Like, I have questions. Um, <laughs> I have questions. I right. have a lot of questions. Uh, but I, I was briefly distracted from my questions. Because what else does he use in the Sarlacc? Well, at least Do he you explains... want to say it? Or do you want me to say it? Well, I, I love, let's, before we say what it is. I love that it is the crux of how he truly gets out of the Sarlacc. Like, I love how that's the thing that, quote unquote, takes down the Sarlacc to allow him to escape. John, John Favreau, who who I'm now (laughs) convinced is listening to this show uh, because this seems like it was put in there directly to spite me. Uh, So I'm now going to talk directly to John Favreau. John... Did you have Boba Fett get out of the Sarlacc with the flamethrower, my enemy, specifically to spite me? Because it's okay if you did. I respect that level of petty spite. But I think think you you need to not take me constantly bashing the flamethrower and Mandalorian so personally, John. I, I feel like it's not that deep. No, he does use the flamethrower to get out, which I saw and I was like, oh my god. I mean, to be fair, the only other time we've seen him use the flamethrower, right, was like for 0.2 seconds fighting uh, Luke and Han and Chewie and all of them on the barge, right? So Very briefly, was, yes. This was his redemption. <laughs> <sighs> Okay, okay. Unfortunately, we do have to admit, for now, this show has a 100% flamethrower usefulness success. It's true. It is true. So, hey, you as can't, much as you can't that, bad about that pulls up bile in my throat to say, 
uh, the flamethrower was useful in this situation. And it does kind of make sense because it's not the kind of thing most people who drop into the Sarlacc are going to have. Right. So just kind of like, what can I do to get out? Yeah. He could burn his way out. Mm -hmm. And if, if the Sarlacc is moist enough, then it would prevent it from catching fire and spreading. Uh, too much and like killing him but theoretically yes he could burn his way out with the fucking goddamn flamethrower fuck me i mean i'm gonna just give it to him for now and then if it comes back up later then maybe we'll have an issue but uh i did think seeing the ruin of the sail barge was cool i thought that was nice i liked how you could also see when he so when he crawls out you can kind of see a little bit of the tentacles and you can see you know so i thought that was kind of nice because for the someone who grew up on the special editions versus the original copies of the movie, right. I have always liked the special edition version of Return of the Jedi more than I like the original version because I'm used to, you know, the Jedi rocks, you know, song and like all that stuff. And so the, the, this explains so much about who you are as a human person right but the the bird mouth and the you know the tentacles like that is something in my brain that i just think that sarlacc like that's just something that has always been there for me i don't think of them it it just being a hole with teeth you know what i mean like i just think of it as oh yeah the little parrot mouth comes out and then the little tentacles and then you know that's all i i just that's what i think of i grew up at a time where the vhs like i grew up at a time where you would still rent things on vhs dvds weren't really a thing yet right um and you could get both the theatrical cuts and the special special editions in 1999 when they came out um so i actually grew up on the theatrical cut and then got the special editions later i did always like the star like in the special editions more yeah i don't I know it's, like that's just a preference more. but some people will probably fight me on that I'm sure many people on the internet will fight you on that. Uh, you know who else fights, uh, apparently, is the fucking Jawas that roll up. Those Jawas are fucking jerks. Like, Those Jawas are like, we are ready to throw down. We are ready to scrap. Were, my favorite part of that the whole entire little bit was he's so fucking tired, he passes out. The Jawas come, they're like, oh shit, free armor on a dead body. So they go and they start grabbing it. And then they're just like, oh shit, he's still alive? Bam, let's knock him out. Oh, he's not dead. That's an inconvenience. Let's remove the inconvenience and keep robbing him anyway. Right. I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) I'm like, I just watched A New Hope again. And I'm like, I'm starting to feel less bad for you little fuckers. The second they take off his armor, then he's just like being sunburnt to hell. Oh yeah, no, like, <laughs> like that's probably, probably why he looks older than he actually canonically is. Like earlier, I was like, mm. "Damn, Boba, you're forty and and you're wearing it real tough." But in fairness to him, when he he gets stripped out of it, initially he does look about forty, and then he gets super sunburnt all to hell. Right. I guess the crap beaten out of him. So I'm like, yeah, you know what? This makes sense. This makes sense. Mm-hmm. He does get picked up by the sand people. The native tattooiners. Yep. 
uh, who do ride in single file mm. to hide their numbers. That's right. And I do want to mention an aspect of the Tuscans in this episode that yes. I, I, it was nice to see. I do love the Tuscan Raiders. I love that the Tuscan Raiders are getting humanized. It also does not, cannot necessarily be overlooked that the Tuscans do take people captive mm-hmm. and will use them essentially as, as like, it looks like basically slave labor uh, right. or combat, something like that, that they use them for. And that's something that I looked at and I was like, oh, that's an interesting dimension. Because, like, if you're a desert tribe like that and you stumble across somebody in the desert, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, that makes sense, actually, that they would say, okay, well, we're going to take you captive and you can do the digging that we don't want to do. And it's not a good aspect of their culture. It is bad. Right. But it, it rounds them out. And it's interesting to see the portrayal of them from Boba's point of view in this episode versus how we saw them in Mandalorian as a little more sympathetic. So I like the, the I like the picture that's being painted of the Tuscan Raiders over the course of these shows. Not wild about constantly going to Tatooine, but if you are going to do it, yes, let's take some time to, right. to, flesh the Tusken Raiders out a little bit. It's also worth mentioning that during this sequence, uh, the theme song starts playing for the first time. So I think I want to take a minute here, Bradley, before you take us into the title card, uh, to just say, Ludwig Gorenson, uh, you did not have to go this hard. <laughs> Babes, I love you, but you did not have to go this hard. Okay, <laughs> you you can dial it back just a little. They don't all have to be bangers, Chief. Come on. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. It. The fucking theme song kicks ass. I love it. Hey, I mean, I like how they're going with like a definite, um, not, I don't want to say like theme, but like, you know how like, like they all sound like they're part of the same universe, the same, like they all work together. Like they're kind of harmoniously together. So it's like a nice, like you can kind of hear where like the Mandalorian is like changed into this book of Boba theme song. Like you're like, Oh, okay. I see it. You know what it really reminded me of uh, was the Kiner's music on Clone Wars. Hmm. It reminded me of how it got sort of, off the wall and out there and was drawing from all sorts of musical inspirations from all over the world. Right. Uh, It wasn't specifically just doing the John Williams thing again. So the theme song is an absolute banger and I love it. Bradley, let's talk about the title card. You want to tell us, tell us about the title card. That's right. Chapter one, stranger in a strange land. We've been recording for 35 minutes and we are now just now on the title card. Uh, I saw that. So we should probably hurry up and get back into this flashback because otherwise we're going to keep going. We're going to keep forever. going. Let's keep going. Um, during his back to dream, Boba recounts his time with the native Tatooiners and how he tried to escape their capture. Let's talk about the episode title in this title card. 
No, because I am going to slam slam my foot down. I cannot let the episode title go unmentioned. Uh, Bradley, yes. do you know why the episode title is significant? Is it a song? I fucking hate you. <laughs> I hate you with every fiber of my being. Oh, boy. Is it oh, an Alice in a Wonderland reference? Is the jokes a... write themselves, folks. The <laughs> jokes absolutely... I don't even have to say anything. And a good chunk of our listenership knows exactly what's going on with this interaction. Uh, Bradley, Stranger in a Strange Land is a book. Uh, so books are oh. these things with like... It's like a cardboard... Two cardboard-like sheets... And then you kind of bind paper in them and they print words on them. Uh, you can read them. Uh, I know this is a shocking concept to you, but they are real things that exist. No, Stranger in a Strange Land is a book title. Uh-huh. The book by a guy named Robert Heinlein. Uh, Robert Heinlein can absolutely uh, fuck off like piece of shit. Uh, fucking hate that guy do not like him will not go on a tangent about this but so the theory then is that every episode title will be book titles oh interesting because it opens stranger in a strange land is a fairly famous book mm-hmm. so the idea is that maybe all of the episode titles because it's the book of boba fett will be book titles and that will be the Right. That'll be the naming convention. That'll be the naming convention that we're going with. Okay. Hopefully they will pick a better book that is not about uh, a libertarian sex cult. Gotcha. Now, do you think, because I just looked it up, so do you think it's because it's a sci-fi novel that that's why they chose it? I think it, it, I think that it, oh, I didn't thought of that, but I swear to God, if one of these episodes is called Dune. Well, that's what, well, that I was, I was just about to get into that because I was I, just about to say, I will, I will become the Darth Maul. I will. Truly, I will. Well, because I, I just looked it up. So something it has something to do with like being on Mars or something like that. So I was like, so does <sighs> that mean that I do not have time to explain the plot of Stranger in a Strange Land? So is Mars like Tatooine? Is that the euphemism we're trying to go uh, with? Like, yeah. <laughs> I think because it's a sci-fi book was what they were going for. But Got it. Okay. I'm cool. going to be curious to see what the naming convention. Yeah. Well, I guess we won't know until the next episode what it'll truly be. But you know, unappreciated uh, absolute gem of this episode, Tuscan Kid. Um, first of all, Tuscan Kid is cruel as fuck, by the way, because him and his buddies all got in a little circle and started kicking the shit out of Boba. <laughs> well, like, that's the character arc is is Boba oh, saves him at the it end was of great. the episode. Oh, no, it was a good despite arc. Despite the kid being a dick to him. Of course. I saw that coming from a mile away. When that happened, I was like, oh, the story is the kid is a jerk at first. And then at the end, he's going to win like the affection of Boba in some way where he's like, oh, I like him now. Yes. Uh, Wesley Kemmel is who plays the Tuscan kid. Um, I checked his credits. Not really anything worth bringing up there. Uh, but I do want in this sequence to bring up the Tuscan chief. 
Mm. We're going to put a pen in the Tuscan warrior. We're going to come back to her later. But I want to bring up the Tuscan chief. Uh, the Tuscan chief is a guy named Javier Jimenez, I believe is how you say this. I apologize. We, we are famously bad at names on this show. Mm. Javier Jimenez is the guy's name. Uh, and I want you to Google what this guy looks like. Does he look like a Tuscan Raider? I, I want you to Google for me the IMDb page for this gentleman. I don't know how to smell Jimenez. Uh, just go to the Book of Boba Fett thing and, and you'll be able to find him. He's on there as Tuscan Chief. Okay, so I'm pulling it up right now. Javier, oh, it's like with an X. Interesting. Javier Jimenez. Oh, interesting. You know who he looks like? Who? Um, he looks like he could be related to Enfys Nest, the actress who plays Enfys Nest. Yes, um, I did think that. I did think that. I was like, oh, oh, he looks oh, really similar. Oh, that's an interesting shirtless picture of him. I was um, hoping you would get to this. Well, uh, well, okay, Mr. Uh, Tuscan Raider Chief. Damn. There's a reason I brought the Tuscan Chief up Holy on the show. Holy shit. Right? Hey, Javier. Right? Like, god damn, sir. Jesus Christ, you could crack a walnut sir. with those boobs. God. Congratulations on your face and and your shirtless photos and just oh my this show god. this show is full of so many attractive men which I love because there's a wonderful range of them. Yeah, but why are they covering his face with a Tuscan Raider mask? Like, sir. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Somehow, somehow. He is still sexy in the Tuscan chief outfit. Yeah. And I cannot explain this to people. <laughs> uh, but the best thing is just go Google what he looks like. Uh, and th- that's why. Uh, uh, fun fact, he's also in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I was also going to bring that up. He is Damn. in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Well, sir, you are doing really well. Oh, he was in the Marshall episode as a Tuscan Raider? Oh, interesting. I did not know that. He, I mean, he was only credited as Tuscan Raider number two, but still. Um, the sheer fact that he has been upgraded from Tuscan Raider number two to Tuscan Raider Chief, that's pretty impressive, I have to say. I mean, Congratulations on your promotion. <laughs> I love it. Um, so good for him. Uh, that's <laughs> awesome. Um, do you know, does does some sexy guy play the red rhodium too? Uh I do not believe a sexy man plays the red no. rhodium physically, but I do believe one voices them. No. And he's not credited as such on IMDb, but I vaguely remember reading on Twitter from someone credible that uh that is Sam Whitware providing the voice. Oh. Okay. AKA Darth Maul slash Emperor Palpatine slash uh, Galen Merrick. Interesting. Oh, well, that's because he's done Greedo before, right? I believe we, he has we, done We Greedo talked before. about how he did Greedo in the. No, Matt Lanter did Greedo in, oh. in the uh, holiday special. Holiday special, right? We will get to the holiday special here in a minute. Oh, God. Okay. That's um, coming back. But apparently, <laughs> Sam Witwer is the voice of that Rodian. Uh, speaking oh. of hot men doing Star Wars things. Right. Uh, Interesting. Just because 
Sam Witwer is amazing. Uh, that is Don Denninger, I believe, is who is credited as the Rodian prisoner on IMDb. Mm. Okay. Um, it looks like some they're they're a fabricator special effects. So at some uh, in the suit, and I believe that is Sam Witwer uncredited doing the voice. Huh. Okay. Uh, we get to see a mastiff, which is cool. Love the uh, puppies. I like how Boa Fett is fully prepared to kill this child. <laughs> like yeah. 100%. 100% is going to kill that child if the other Tuscans hadn't shown up. Right? Like he's 100% going to do it. I love that. Uh, my last note is, yeah, let's bring up the Tuscan warrior who is... Uh, let's do it. Beats... Boba Fett, that is a woman named Joanna Bennett. Okay. Joanna Bennett is an all-around badass. Love Joanna that. Bennett is a stunt woman who has mm. done stunts for all sorts of things. Just looking at her IMDb page, she was Gal Gadot's stunt double in Zack Snyder's Justice League. She's in Avengers Endgame. She's in the stunt double for Brie Larson in Captain Marvel. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Justice League, Wonder Woman. Uh, she's done just a shitload of stunt double stuff. Agents like, of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> yep. Uh, like, just, damn, all these Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. people in this fucking generally show. Generally an all-around badass. Like, Yeah, I love it. Good for I don't her. Think, I don't think she quite... Uh, completes our disney trifecta because I, no. I don't see anything on here for mocap but she's just an all-around badass and gotcha. she kicks ass uh and okay. she's awesome finally boba wakes up from his dreams uh semi-nude so that he may greet jabba's old vassals who have come to pay tribute i would like to thank god and also jesus for uh <laughs> Tamara Morrison wearing only the back to tank thing in this episode. Like, I would also like to thank Moses. I would also like <laughs> to thank Noah. I would like to thank. Like, I'm sorry, uh, Daddy. Sorry, Daddy. Sorry, Daddy. Uh, they really, they really said uh, we are going to give people what they want, and what they want is ultra sexy dad bods in star wars well clearly we just need to uh get in a back to tank and it'll just clearly uh, clearly build you up. clearly that's that's what we're going for here it's making making 40 look pretty good on him so hot damn i want to look that good when i'm 40 right i i want to look that good when i'm 40 well technically you want to look that good when you're 60 because he's technically 60 that is so, true so like all credit to tamura morrison yeah. like, <laughs> congratulations on how attractive you are at 60 like goddamn, what is your secret i also feel like they included this to be like look guys because i remember how when we talked about in the mandalorian when he got his armor on everybody's like hmm, doesn't seem like it fits right because he's probably like too fat or something and yeah, it's like, there was that whole no. stupid thing where yeah. awful no. corners of the internet. Yeah, yeah, it's like no, shut no. up. This the is man why. is in fantastic shape. <laughs> he was too muscly for his armor. That's what you... it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I like it too because there's sort of this prevalent problem 
over just all of media in general, where we're shown the quote unquote default male body type. And it's like this super ripped, like mm-hmm. I have 12 personal trainers and I drink 18 protein shakes a day. And people that are healthy don't always look like Marvel superheroes. You can be very healthy and very fit and look nothing like Chris Evans. No shade to Chris Evans. He looks great. But healthy people aren't always going to look like that. And I think it's awesome that we're seeing a, a wide variety of people kicking ass in Star Wars that aren't just Marvel superheroes. I think that's cool. Also, Tamara Morrison, I am available all of the time. Please call me. Pivoting off that, though, let's talk about the direction of Boba Fett as a character, specifically how vulnerable they've made him in this show. Mm -hmm. Because right off the bat, we establish that he has some sort of chronic pain or chronic illness that Mm -hmm. is going on that he's constantly having to go into this back to tank for. And the first thing he does when he comes out of the back to tank is tell Finnick Shand the dreams are back, which is an extremely vulnerable moment. He doesn't have to do this. Right. He doesn't tell her. But he does. He chooses to share this information. So right off the bat, we establish that Boba, at least at this stage, is maybe maturing to a point where he's comfortable being vulnerable and like he doesn't necessarily see this as a weakness, which is interesting, an interesting direction for the character. And I'm seeing a lot of uh, petulant bullshit whining on the internet about how they de-badassed Boba Fett. Uh, And I'm like, shut up, cry more, whatever. This is interesting to me yeah. how the way that they're treating him in this show and it also kind of shows you too like if he is this vulnerable or whatever he absolutely trusts Fennec Shan like 100% there's no like doubt there's no like you know I don't trust any you know what I mean like he he 100% trusts her with his life with everything so like he'll tell her whatever so like uh, they're at least I mean they've already established that before but it's like this is like kind of solidifying that for us because it's like he was this quote-unquote badass who would never like tell anybody his secrets or anything like right. that and then now you have this one person that is his right hand who like he absolutely for no other reason will trust and he's like hey my dreams are back. Like I'm having bad dreams again. Like da 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 da. And so she, and then she, she recognizes this, and she goes and she's like, oh, you know, she's like, well, you need to, you know, essentially suit up because like we, we don't have time to deal with your <laughs> your problems right now. We gotta get in there. Kick-ass armor montage, which I was correct about being in the opening. Yeah, I was correct about this being the opening to the present day segment. Was was them suiting up? Yeah in the armor i love it Uh, yeah no it's it's great and we'll talk more about the relationship between finnick and boba as as we progress through so the vassal scene uh that's robert rodriguez as the trained ocean by the way 
Uh, we'll leave it at that. Doc Strassi is played by director Robert Rodriguez. Oh, uh, that's who that was. Okay, I was like, I was wondering, I was because I couldn't find it at first, and I was like, where is? Because I didn't, I didn't write that down as like um, my out of the. Um, I only had two um, people. Well, he's because they he's were in the credits. So. Him. He's it, credited as the voice. I don't know if that's him in the suit, actually. Um, um, I don't see it on IMDb as anybody else. So, yeah, it's that's him as the voice of Doc Doc Strassi. Okay. Uh, Doc Strassi brings a Wookiee pelt because, of course, he. Does. Oh my god! I saw that and I was like, awkward. But hey, that's one step closer to seeing Bosk in this show because that is that is one step there. closer to seeing Bosk. Bosk I'm, I'm ready for it. I had a series of Bounty Hunter action figures and Bosk was always my favorite. So I have a special spot in my heart for Bosk mm-hmm. and I really want to see him. I also just watched Empire again last night. And I was like, oh, God damn, I love this scaly lizard. Well, and also I really like the costuming for the Trandoshans now. Um, ever since I saw the trailer with all of them in it, I was like, oh, this is like they could finally do it where they can talk and they can move and they can emote you know what i mean like versus obviously back in empire where he doesn't really do anything like his mouth is just kind of solid like stands there menacingly yeah Yeah, menacingly um so i love that because i love having those people in there um mask is very creepy though yeah oh the eyes are like i feel like well actually you know what's funny is about it i don't think the eyes are real I think the eyes are animated and the rest of it is practical. So I think that that's what's interesting about it. Hmm. I, I have to go back and re-examine the scene. I would because they seem a little too bright or animated or they, they're moving a little too well. So yeah, watch it again. I think, I think they are CGI and then the rest of it is practical. Uh, the bit about the protocol. We need to get a protocol droid made me laugh. Also well, clearly set up for something. Well, that's what I was, I was going to say that too. So not only to, well, currently they have a torture droid acting as a fucking uh, protocol droid. Um, so let's start with that. <laughs> yeah. It, so that's 8D8. Uh, it is credited incorrectly on IMDb. That is 8D8. The subtitles confirm it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is the torture droid from Return of the Jedi. That's awesome. That is the same torture droid. Do you know who voices the torture droid? I looked it up. It says Matt Berry. Do you know who Matt Berry is? Not a clue. Do you watch uh, What We Do in the Shadows? I do not. That is your fucking problem. (laughs) I know people who watch it, though, so I'm sure. He is a main character in What We Do in the Shadows. You should also watch it. It is very funny. Interesting. Okay. I've I've heard that before that it's a good show, so maybe but he is voicing 8d8 i love that um and i love how they like you said they are clearly i'm or at least i hope they are setting up the fact that maybe boba will get a protocol droid and so not our our team of two will essentially become a team of three by introducing some kind of hilarious like (laughs) protocol droid who's just like ridiculous in some way like this to kind of balance them out the secret that they don't want to tell us, the, the Grogu level secret, is that C-3PO is in this. 
that they get C-3PO for a minute to help him run his criminal empire. I don't know if I like that. Um, I would be, I would be open to two things. I would either be open to the silver C-3PO in Phantom Menace coming back. Who's a lady. I like that one. She's got a great voice. Oh, the one from the Trade Federation? Yes. It, I don't know if she's still alive, but I would be interested to see her come back, or at least a version of her. You know what I mean? Right. The silver one, which I <laughs> right. think is also, it's like a white one or silver one in Empire. The the one that says... Uh, oh, yeah. That Bradley, one. God damn it. You're going to get our <laughs> podcast kicked off of the platforms if you use that sort of language. So that was God, my, man. my that was my second uh my second option God, would be man. to have that. You can't you can't just say things like that on the podcast. You what know, the fuck, dude? I mean, I try my best, but what the uh, flying midair blurg fuck? Like what is wrong with you? <laughs> or I would be interested in seeing like maybe a brand new character um that is kind of a culmination of um, it's C-3PO, like, so it's going to be that protocol droid, but I want it to have K-2SO's personality. <laughs> <laughs> or they could just download a protocol module into 8D8 and, and have 8D8 be a multi-purpose droid. That would be interesting if, yeah, they changed his programming. That would be interesting. Like, they were like, we don't have time to go find a protocol droid. We'll just, like, download one and then, like... Here it's he like changes. Baymax. It's like I'm, I'm just gonna shove things and you can translate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so they are visited by the mayor's envoy, mm-hmm. and the mayor's envoy is played by a gentleman named David Pasquesi. He was on Beep. Yep, and That's I told you credit I recognized him from. I told you in the Book of Boba episode zero. I said, the guy who plays the Twi'lek in the trailer, he looks so recognizable. I don't know who he is, but I kn- I'll know when the episode plays. And once we watched it, I was like, oh, he's from Beat. He plays Andrew. Yep. He plays Andrew and uh, Meyer in Beat. And I was like, oh, there you go. You know what he sounds like, though? So I, as of recording this, it is December the 30th mm-hmm. uh, in... Roughly five days, I will be acquiring The Fallen Star, which is the new High Republic book. And I have been listening to the audiobooks in order to prepare for this. And maybe it's just because I've been bathing in Mark Thompson's amazing voice acting for the adult audiobooks. Uh, But the mayor's envoy sounds exactly like Martian Rowe. He sounds exactly like the main villain of the High Republic, Wave One. Bradley has no idea what I'm talking about. Not this a clue. is for a very specific group of people that listen to this show. Uh, go back and watch the Mayor's Envoicing again. He sounds just like Martian Rowe. Uh, also, when he said when he calls Finnick Shan Milady, <laughs> and she's like, "Should I kill him?" Yeah, she's like, yes. Is it is it a, she's like, is it okay for me to kill him now? Like, it's great. Like, can can I can I do this? I would I, I personally would not have expected her to ask for permission. Uh, I know. I would have just let her do it. I also personally. like how their conversation is like 
quiet but like clearly he can hear what they're saying because they're only five feet away like you know what I mean like it's not like a he can't hear them during this whole conversation she's like is it all right if I kill him and he's like well seeing how he works for the mayor I'm gonna say no she's like so that means no and he's like yeah that means no (laughs) I love the whole interaction of this whole scene this is great I do like sort of the conflict between Boba and Finnick throughout this episode as it's kind of setting up Boba as as this sort of character who wanted this job but didn't quite know what the job entailed like he had watched other people do the crime lord thing and was like oh yeah I can do that right Uh, and then he tries to do it and he's like oh this is hard actually yeah and he's noticing that it's also boring like he's noticing he has to kind of go through the motions of like, so for example, this whole scene is him accepting the tribute. Like it's like this, like he has to do like this almost ceremonious like kind of thing with every single person. And then once the, the uh, major domo comes up for the mayor, he's like, well, wait, you don't have a tribute for me? Like what's going on? And he's like, oh, well, you're supposed to give me a tribute. And he's like, wait, I'm the How gangster about I here. Fucking don't. He's like, I'm the fucking gangster here. What are you talking about? The way Finnick would have him approach it, he would have no allies whatsoever. Right. At all. Uh, she's trying to get him to kind of emulate the huts because, you know, that was successful, uh, at least until Darth Vader showed up. Right. That went badly for them. Uh, you don't read comics, so you have no idea what I'm talking about. No idea. Uh, there's a reason the Hot Council is not in Return of the Jedi. And it's Darth Vader has a lightsaber. <laughs> Anywho, but Boba kind of wants to do this. I pulled myself up by this, you know, my own bootstraps kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So this is interesting dynamic between the two of them right. with regards to how they want to handle the mayor. Uh, Boba's saying, I do not torture. Yeah, uh, Boba, honey, uh, you tied Bosk up with no legs and left him to freeze to death in War of the Bounty Hunters. Hmm. Okay, maybe he's turned over a new leaf. I mean, I, I think being digested will do that to someone, you know. That is true. Although I do think it has more to do with whatever he's going to experience with the Tuscans. Than That's with the true, because we haven't gotten the full flashback yet right like, so you know we we don't necessarily know where that storyline is going because clearly they're showing it to us for some particular reason so there's something right. there um so well, it'll be interesting well yeah and i think i see some people incorrectly saying i think oh he went into the sarlacc and he came out and he's got this whole different attitude now right and that's not really the case if you watch the tuscan scenes he's got the same attitude he had in the original trilogy and around it uh of this very not very like strategic mercenary type person uh who's very competent but not really thinking outside of the box and not hasn't got a bigger picture ideas Right. All the way up to where we see him in the current sequences where he's trying to be a crime lord. And I just realized too, so the um, Tuscan Raider scenes 
are all either within the same span of a week or within the same couple days as Return of the Jedi ish. So yeah, it's, it's probably a it's, couple of weeks. Or, or within at least the same quote unquote year that that took right. place, right? So, and then Book of Boba, we know, takes place five ish years, years later. after. So it's going to be interesting to see like the flashbacks because they have about five years to deal with, you know, to before he gets it. his, yep. right, to before he gets his armor back. So it's interesting to see how that goes. The last thing I want to bring up to this scene, because I did, I did see during the pre-meeting that you were researching it. Uh, apparently, the person in charge of Jabba's palace is called the Daimyo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bradley, you did a little research on what, a, what that word is. Do you want to, to tell us what you found? I my my very 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 brief and quick uh, Google search to Wikipedia <laughs> told me that a daimyo um, is a feudal lord in Japan. Yeah, basically. So there you go. Uh, um, yeah, a so daimyo. Yeah, a daimyo was a a feudal lord in Japan. Uh, they answered directly to the shogun. Uh, mm-hmm. They were big in, if you study the Sengoku Jidai at all, or the Warring States period, which they're the same thing. I don't know why I said or. Uh, <laughs> Damio are going to play a huge role in that. Uh, I also want to apologize for the whiteness of the way that we are pronouncing the word Damio. Damio. Uh, I- I'm going to work on that. But yeah, that's basically what it is, is it's a reference to the feudal lords. Uh, so the whole thing with him, like, getting tribute and all of that, uh, like, yeah. Yeah, that's a reference to that. So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, but Star Wars has never had any Japanese uh, Japanese inspiration. Never. Uh, it's completely, like, completely divorced from the entire Japanese aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, George Lucas did not think about that at all when he was making the movies. Uh, so this makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, I'm going to whine about it on Twitter now uh, because... I haven't had sex in years. I also like how they didn't even bother changing the word. So they were just like, this is just a thing in Star Wars. <laughs> I, I do kind of low-key love that as well, that they were like, nope, this is a direct fucking reference. I mean, you might Fuck as you. well like call the Jedi Samurais. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just like, why even bother like just changing the words? Like, just be like, yeah, this is what they are. Just- <laughs> Maybe they thought... So samurai, like we know what that is, right? In Western we don't know culture. what a daimyo. Yeah, we don't. Know Maybe that, so. I- unless you're like a history nerd or you really like anime, you right, probably right, right. don't know what a daimyo is. Daimyo right. is uh, without going and looking it up. So gotcha. that is cool, though. I did like that they put that in there. Fennec and Boba decide to go on a walking tour to check in on the vassals of Mos Espa, during which they enter a cantina run by Twilight Jennifer Beals called The Sanctuary. Mos Espa, babe, you're looking great. I, okay, wait, can you're we talk about great, this? Babe. Because they confirmed for us what this fucking city was. It's Mos fucking Espa. The, okay, Please, for for my sake, refresh my memory. Um, Boss Espa does not look like this. It does not. When we last see it. It does not look like this. Maybe, uh, 
So I'm thinking like I'd, I'd have to look at the one in Book of Boba again, but I feel like what we're seeing is Moss Espa proper. Hmm. Like this is the actual city. It's down in the sinkhole. And where Anakin and Watto lived was like right on the edge because they park the Naboo ship right outside. Right. And just walk in and go to the first used car dealer they see. <laughs> so like maybe they're like right on the edge. Maybe they're like out in the boonies of Mosses, but like they probably can't even see this. It would make sense because if Anakin lives, like he's technically, you know, he's a slave, right? So he's poor. And so the poor people would live on the outskirts of the city versus the right. center of the city, which would be more maybe the upper class. And which we see, this is kind of like, this cantina is a little bit cleaner than the last one we've seen. It has you know plants what I mean? in it. Like it literally <laughs> has plants on it. Right, it's almost like an oasis. It has yeah. air conditioning. Yeah. Right, it's yeah. almost it's got that. Very oasis-like. Um, Fun fact, the Moss Espa design is based off of concept art from episode one done by, I believe, Doug Chang. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe is the guy who did it, who mm -hmm. is also doing production work for Book of Boba. Oh, so the awesome. guy who designed this is one of those people who's been doing the Lucasfilm stuff forever. forever. Yeah, I love that. So let's talk about what happens when we walk into the sanctuary. The very first shot we see is of two people. <laughs> One of them is probably Figrin Dan. Okay. Uh, Figrin Dan and the Mandel Nodes. Uh, the, they are... the other one's on uh, my bingo card. But yes. continue, continue. Uh, so, so he is playing a remixed version of the Cantina theme. Uh, but he's being accompanied by Max fucking Rebo. Max fucking Rebo. And, and what did I put on my what did I put on my bingo card? I put Max. You Bucky put Re Max Rebo. I can take this step further and say that this lends credence to at least the overarching events of the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special being canon. <laughs> because what happens in the Lego Holiday Special? They get Max Rebo to come play. Confirming he survived the Sarlacc pit or the, right. the sail barge. And then they're like, oh, all of your people died. That's unfortunate. So we see him with a new band in this. The Lego Star Wars holiday special is at least semi-canon. There you Fuck go. Fuck you. Fight me. I love it. And I honestly, I loved seeing him because they didn't do it in a way that was like annoying were like he shows up and then he talks to boba and he's like oh my god boba i remember seeing you on the sail barge of a job blah, blah blah you know what i mean that would have been annoying if, they did it in a cute way where it's like he's three seconds there he is it was great if i were showing my non-star wars for now right. watching boyfriend uh we are working through it if i were to show him this episode the he would probably not point to Max Rebo and say, is that someone I'm supposed to know? <laughs> That's how you know this is a good cameo. Yes. Contrast to the one in Rogue One of uh, Dr. Evazon. Oh, yeah. Where it's very clear that we are supposed to know who that is. And Max then they Rebo's make a point of it, yeah. 
Yeah, Max Rebo is just kind of there. He's diegetically in the scene, and if you didn't know, it'd be like, oh, neat. That that guy's a blue elephant playing the keyboard. Right. I I fucking love him. Um, I'm glad he's back. I'm glad he found a new band. You know, he he needed some more inspiration. Uh, the only thing he's missing is his uh drag queen lead singer, um, who needs to come back. I don't care how she needs so, to come back. So so. Size Noodles, canonically, Bradley, is the most beautiful woman in the galaxy. Oh, for sure. No, like, deadass, this is canon. Uh, she is gorgeous. She is considered <laughs> gorgeous. Okay. I am not making this up. We also get uh, a few little few little other easter eggs there's a droid with drinks just like r2 on the sail barge we see mm-hmm. i believe an rx unit the star tours slash uh dj at oga's cantina mm-hmm. he's uh, a casino dealer or he's like a poker yeah, dealer or whatever the I droid the droid um drummer i love that that they have a droid drummer oh yeah i like how it was it was like an r4 right or uh the r something and it was it was drumming. It drumming. Was drumming. <laughs> so I loved cute. it. Uh, but I want to hit the brakes for a minute and talk about the two Twi'leks that come up and talk to them. Because um, there's a super interesting, super interesting fan interpretation going around. Oh, okay. About these two Twi'leks that is relevant to this show. Okay, wait. Let, for, tell, me, tell, me, tell me what this fan thing is first, and then I'll tell you what I think it is. Uh, so if you notice, uh, the male Twi'lek, uh, has cones on the side of his head. Okay. Those biologically only are on female Twi'leks. So the fan theory is that the very least this male Twi'lek is a trans man. Oh. And that, and that the, the cones are left over from that transition. Interesting. And that this Twi'lek was assigned female at birth and they're a trans man and that's why they have the cones. The female Twi'lek that comes up with mm. them has filed her teeth into points, which is generally a thing that male Twi'leks do. I believe the Twi'lek from Mandalorian also has done it, but it is generally considered a male thing in that society. To, sharp, to sharpen your teeth? So there's definitely uh, some like gender fluidity going on with these Twi'leks, and I love it personally um hmm. also very hot uh well yeah i was gonna go uh in that direction with my little theory was that he's well obviously they're sex slaves or something because i was like jesus christ they're both like hi we're hot like you wanna shine your helmet with us like <laughs> that's what i thought was going on well- well, I mean, it seems to be a reputable establishment, so I don't know if they're necessarily slaves. They could just be like... Uh, I'm sorry, they could be working... Workers. Yeah, consenting yeah, they could workers. be consenting no, workers. No, abs- abs- 100%. I, I don't mean to 
go back into the empire days where everybody's a slave but right. i just you know like they clearly um they might be sex workers which is totally acceptable and i'm actually here for it because it makes the idea that the um jennifer beale's character is kind of the uh what do you call it when um she's, she's like, like- the- She's like a mistress almost is, is the, what they're kind of going for like a kid friendly version of. Yeah. What's the, um, what do you call it? The, the madam of the house. The madam. The madam. That's what I was trying to say. I was like mistress. No, not a mistress. Uh, Madam. She's the madam. And then like her club, her, you know, whatever her establishment, she is in charge of all of the workers or quote unquote dancers. We'll call them. Yes um our models is what they like to say in the industry um so they they work for her and i love how the, like if you notice too like there was a quote male and a quote female i'm putting them in air quotes since you gave me a whole nother uh different uh outlook on that but there was one for boba and there was one for fennec right like they were like oh well here we'll give you something for everybody here or or we'll send you we'll send you them over uh right your preference exactly yeah and i like how i like how boba's like no we don't have time for that but (laughs) no i yeah i i personally like i was reading that theory that at least the male twi'lek is a trans man and i went yeah 100 percent 100% 100% I've chosen to believe this now uh he's also extremely hot yeah like, well, and he's also uh, in real life he's a Latino male so he's a uh, his name is Marlon Aquino so he's a uh, very spicy oh there oh I I did not scroll down far enough let's take a oh, hello yeah look hello, at his hi. look at his look at his human face holy balls oh, oh my <laughs> lord Oh, if you thought he Lord. was hot as a Twilight, I mean, damn, I mean. Um, I now like, I'm looking at the picture of him, though. Uh, yeah, I'm no, looking at the picture I, of him in the Twilight, and I'm like, oh, interesting. Yeah, no, if you, you notice the... Yeah, so head wraps are, are normally... yeah. Well, the cones, biologically, the female Twi'leks have, or at least assigned female at birth ones, have cones on the side instead of ears so right they're like they're i used to call them their earrings but they're not they don't they're not they're they're, uh, no, they're like their ears part yeah. of their they're part of their head that's how they hear interesting so i don't i don't yeah i have to go look and back on mandalorian and look at like the different you know ones yeah because i i like that because now that it's something for you know, other people look. I'm looking at Jennifer uh, Beale's character, and she has earrings covering her. Basically, that... we've got a Star Wars safe, uh, kid safe version of a brothel uh, with some <laughs> wonderful. Yeah, uh, I mean, okay, hey, I'm here for Performing stuff going on here. I'm here, and for I am it. personally super here for this. I love it. Uh, I'm I'm down for it, but uh, we should talk about Jennifer Beals for a second. We should talk why, about why, why is she relevant to our podcast. Uh, because she was on a little show called, I believe, The L Word. Right. So in an alternate universe, she's more relevant to our podcast because we're lesbians in an alternate universe. So we're... Because 
this is this is hands down <laughs> one of the gayest scenes I've seen in a Star Wars TV show. Uh, I mean, and I am I am so here for this. Like, I loved this scene. More of this, please. I well, and when I told I told you in episode zero, I was like, her character fascinates me for some reason. I don't know what it is, but she just visually is stunning. And then now that they've added these other two Twilight characters, I'm like, huh, interesting. Like, I need to see more Twilight characters in Star Wars. Um, because one, the costuming is always interesting. Like, it, it's very interesting. I love seeing the different colors. Because that's what I love about the Twilights. They're they're always different random colors. And it's just, like, fun. Like, oh, they're green. They're yellow. They're pink. They're orange. Like, who cares? Like, they're all different colors. And they're amazing. So I love the costuming. I love all that stuff. Um, I love the the sex workers i think that's great i love it like it's obviously a kid safe version but like we know what's going on here we know what's happening right and i personally again i'm here for it i think that with the the madam being a, a twi'lek herself i think it's safe to assume that the people working here are doing so of their own free will and also compensated right. appropriately. Right, because you wouldn't, like, as a Twi'lek, you would not enslave other Twi'leks. Like, you, I don't think Fingers that's Fingers crossed that, you wouldn't. Right. Like, I could see no. it happening. Well, yeah, yeah, sure, maybe if she was, like, awful of, a, like, an awful, awful person, but, like... She could turn out to be like an it. awful person. We'll, we'll get... True. Well, actually, we'll, we'll get to that in a second here, but I just want to say for the record... I am the most excited in this show to see more of the sanctuary and figure yeah. out more of what's going on here. Yeah. And they, I feel like they tease it a little bit because the way that she talks to Boba in this scene, especially when he's like, he's like, Oh, this won't take long. He's like, I'm here to uh, collect like da, da, da. He's like telling her like the rules or whatever. And she's like, Oh, is that what you're doing? Okay. Oh. Great. Like, and then she kind of, she's kind of almost patronized. Like she's talking to him in a way that's like patronizing. Cause she's like, oh, you're in, that's right. You're in charge. I forgot. Like, you know, oh, totally. You can totally come here whenever the you level, want because you own it. The like, level of sass in this woman. Yeah. Like, oh god it's very demeaning the way she where's my sanctuary spinoff show <laughs> well i also too i think they're foreshadowing too the fact that the quote-unquote mayor is the real person in charge and that everybody believes that like nobody's like taking boba seriously at this point and it's very like she's like oh i forgot you're taking over Jabba's job or well actually she said uh he said uh Bid Fortuna he's like I'm taking over Bid Fortuna and she goes oh okay like it's almost yeah, like she, she was she was under Jabba and then she's under right. Bib Fortuna and now he's her third boss and she's right. like okay dude what whatever she's like, sure you're gonna last like three seconds like here's your like, money right. fuck yeah. off right as Fennec and Boba leave the sanctuary cantina they are ambushed by assassins during the fight all are killed but one is captured by Fennec Shand. Uh, 
this is probably not a reference, uh, but it is my semi-regular uh, plug to go and read Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. Uh, there are orange shields in that, and they can deflect lightsabers. Uh, also, the assassins that attack them, this has been pointed out by multiple people, uh, including Darth Chaco and Star Wars Explained, have both pointed this out. They look a lot like the Crimson Dawn assassins. I don't think they're Crimson Dawn. I think it's a coincidence, but they look a lot like them. Interesting. That would be great for my bingo card later because I have both Crimson Dawn and Let's... Kira on my bingo card. So hopefully uh, one of those two things happens. So there's an interesting theory floating around that Garza Flip knew that Boba was going to be attacked. That's why mm. she paid him by putting Republic credits in his helmet that he notably then could not put on. Oh, so he can't put on his helmet, so he'd be attacked. Interesting. Yeah, because I love, first of all, I, we skipped over this. I love Fennec Shan's line. She goes, your helmet's shinier than mine. <laughs> that was the oh. fucking best line in the whole entire episode. Sorry, I just had Stan, to, couldn't Stan go Stan being when, always. We love her. Her delivery is great. Um, but that's an interesting Flawless, theory. Flawless, impeccable. Yeah, that's a theory that she knew, and she was deliberately keeping him from putting his helmet on. Also, I don't know if this was an error or not. Um, I noticed this in the episode uh, on my second viewing. Um, so when they leave the shank sanctuary, the Gamorrean guards are behind them. And then when you see the wide shot of them walking and talking, the Gamorrean guards are no longer there. They're not behind them anymore. They're not walking behind them. They come out like the door at the same time, but then we don't they, see them ever until they They sort of have yet. to disappear so that they can do their big... Boba Fett's mercy is right. be paid by them saving them. But I almost felt like they were missing a line or something where Boba sends them away. You know what I mean? He's like, all right, we don't need you. you guys can go home for the day or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, I felt like we're missing that one little thing. And then when they come back, you're like, oh, they weren't really gone. Like, it's fine. Yeah, I, I did like, though, that they did a whole thing where like his mercy was repaid with them saving him. Right. Uh, but also that he murders that guy pretty brutally <laughs> with the Electra staff. I think I heard a Wilhelm scream in there somewhere. Mm. I Maybe. I, I think you're somewhere. right. I, I wasn't, I, I didn't make a note of it, but I, I think you're correct. Uh, Boba Fett definitely disintegrates a dude. I saw that and I was like, wait a minute. I was like, did I miss something? I was like, did the did the body just like fall over and I missed it? Or nope, did he like truly just, just blow gone. up? Dude? Yeah. He's just gone. And it's kid friendly. You can't see like the gore splatter across right, the right, thing. Right. But the hilarious side effect is that it's just gone. Like it's just not there. Gone, gone but not forgotten. I also love how um when the Gamorian guards are fighting in this scene they are both useful and deadly like like you know how we're so used to seeing them as these fat lazy kind of loser guards you know from java's palace uh, and no now, they throw down yeah and they're they, like they tanks. throw down they are tanks they will get they will kill you like they like are that dangerous. one guy that one just like slashes the dude's throat that was awesome and i'm like what <laughs> what the hell i also love uh the moment when finnick catches up to them mm -hmm. and 
she takes the one dude captive and it looks like she's gonna let the other one go and then she kicks the dude she has captive off and turns it to the other guy as if to say like yeah i just killed a man in front of you you not also, even think about running i also thought of it as like her being like you don't know what i'm gonna do i'm crazy like i'm gonna just i'll just kill this guy i don't care yep. i'll change my mind at the last second <laughs> it's very die it. it's very like you you will die if you cross me kind right. of deal and i i did i i noticed how like this connects with what we saw in the trailer where we see that she said they have clearly captured one of these guys they clearly so, they yeah. bring them back to java's palace so I do want to bring that up, though, that that we were told, oh, it's like the first half of the first episode. And really, it's like spread out over the first two episodes, which which is my because I, I read that it was like someone had said, oh, the trailer is only the first 15 minutes of the episode. Right. And then you're going to get all this other stuff you're not expecting. And that we did get a bunch my... of stuff we weren't expecting. That's true. But, in but also, this is not the first 15 minutes of the episode. <clears throat> right. So what I'm thinking is the first, quote unquote, two episodes are a complete arc of this setting up the season. And that's this story of the assassins attack them. And then we find out what the thread of like who sent the assassins and right. blah, 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 blah. That's what we're going to find out in the next we'll episode. We'll probably so. get the dinner scene. We'll probably get the mayor scene. Right. We'll probably get the swoop bikes. Agreed. And by the end of the second episode, we'll, we'll have nicely set up. We'll have had our inciting incident and we'll, we'll have set everything up. I think to so. know, okay, this is what this show is going to be about. Right. And it was weird too, because like you said, um, we'll get to it in a second with the the last scene, but I felt like it was the flashbacks were a complete story of a beginning, a middle and an end. And then this present day story was like just the first half. Like we didn't get to finish it. They should have done what they did for Hawkeye and released the first two episodes. I know they only released the first two episodes of Hawkeye because they didn't want it to compete with Book of Boba. Yeah. But I also do feel like Book of Boba would have benefited by them releasing the first two episodes. If I that think it would have, yeah. But also, I also see why they didn't do it because they're trying to stretch it out because according to my calendar, we don't really have anything after Book of Boba right, as of right now, definite. So it's like... We have a lot of things. We just, we just don't, don't know when, know they come. when right. they're coming out. Right. So I think they're trying to stretch it out as long as possible because I don't know if they have anything to fill in the gap. So we'll see. Please give us a little bit of a break. Because film, I'm I'm looking at the shows you have coming out next year, and I'm already tired. <laughs> I'm already tired, and you're really you're keep continuing to release the High Republic, like. Uh, <laughs> January in particular is going to be unpleasant uh, because Fallen Star comes out, and I'm going to be an emotional wreck. I I I just need. I just need Comac and Sai to be okay, the Vessel crew, and Ty York. You can have anybody else. I, I need those six to be fine. I'm begging you. Anyway. As the Gamorrean guards help an injured Boba back to his back to tank, 
he has even more flashbacks of Tuscans where we see he is starting to earn their respect. Uh, so the sequence where the gang like swoops in and is messing with the moisture farm. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting. There's a lot going on in this sequence. Very short sequence, but there's a lot going on in it. Yeah, yeah. So Jabba is dead. Now, Jabba the Hutt was imposing something called a water tax on the people of Tatooine. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, it sucked to live on Tatooine because it was very hard to farm water, and then the Huts would come and take all of it anyway. The Lars family was kind of special because they had someone preventing Jabba from coming in to take their water tax. Uh, a certain crazy old hermit ah. was preventing uh, them from having to take a water tax. Life still sucked for them, but they weren't having to pay this. Right. But that was a thing the Huts did. I think the scene does a couple of things. It shows, firstly, that almost immediately there are gangs moving to fill the power vacuum left behind by mm-hmm. Jabba. Almost immediately they're moving in. Uh, it shows how precious of a resource water is, that that's what they're coming in and fucking with. Although I do found it interesting they were letting the fountain run. They weren't taking all of it. Like it almost kind of seemed like they were just destroying things for the sake of destroying them. Right. Uh, but anyway, let's talk about who these people are. Bradley, do you know who these people are? They're a gang. Do you know specifically which gang? The, the speeder bike gang from the trailer, duh. Do you know what the speeder bike gang from the trailer <laughs> is called, Bradley? Um, I don't, but let's see. They they spray painted some symbol on Well, the I'll tell you, thing. neither the fuck do I, and I'm just messing with you. Oh, okay. I was like, it looked like something that we might know. So, so they spray paint, yeah, they spray paint a symbol on there, which uh, the Rupalps Podrace account so I'm not sure which host tweeted this. Uh, perhaps later in this series, we can find out which host tweeted this. But one of them pointed out that that is the K symbol in the hot language. Uh, hmm. So there's a lot of theories about who it could be. Uh, could it be Kanja Club is one theory. Okay. Uh, it could be the Red Key Raiders, which are the... Uh, Raiders that attempted to uh, do the thing with Mos Pelgo that uh, the dude fought. I did know the dude, Cobb Vanth, the people Cobb Vanth fought. Right. Uh, I did notice they appeared to have something on their jackets, uh, but I couldn't really see what it was. Hmm. I mean, the symbol itself that they drew looked like a J and then a backwards J. So for me, that just means Jabba Jr., and then that means that Rod of the Hut is it, it turns the out to be true the, the true villain of this season. Thank you. Welcome to my TED Dog. That was a great <laughs> Jabba Jr. Nice... I fucking hate Jabba Jr. Thank you, everyone. Have a nice day. So they have the Tuscan kid like drags them out and has Boba and the Rodian digging for black melons. Uh, which we're gonna talk about more comics. Yay! <laughs> Big day for those of us who have sat there and read hundreds and hundreds of Star Wars comics. Uh, big day for us. Uh, those black melons, we have seen them before in The Mandalorian. You remember that. 
Uh, but they also come up in the journals of Obi-Wan Kenobi in the 2015 to 2019, I want to say, Star Wars comics run. Uh, there were a few issues that dealt with Obi-Wan's life on Tatooine, and they came up in that. Uh, Obi-Wan wanted to give them to people because they were a good source of water. So... <laughs> Bradley's giving me a look like, oh my god, he's talking about the comics again. Well, buckle up, bitch. Boba Fett's been in a lot of fucking comics. <laughs> Which I also noted here, speaking of the comics, that the attitude that Boba displays in the flashback sequences, mm-hmm. where he's smart, but he's not very forward-thinking, is very in line with how he's portrayed in this era in the comics. Mm. And I find it interesting to compare it, to see the journey from that to where he's going to be in Mandalorian and Book of Boba. Uh, Also, War of the Bounty Hunters was really good. Just gonna throw that out there. Anyway, let's talk about the Sand Monster. I like how first of all it's just called Sand Monster. Like Sand, sand Monster they, thing. They didn't even give it a name yet. They're like, eh, it's a sand monster. It's a sand monster. Uh that is a direct reference to the work of a gentleman named Ray Harryhausen, who is a famous uh creature guy. Okay. From movies. Hmm. So uh I was a little like I was watching the sand monster and I was like, this is almost like something out of John Carpenter of Mars or something. Like, what am I looking at here exactly? You're Googling Ray Harryhausen. I am. I just need to see his face because it sounded familiar. So I was like, who is that guy? You probably won't recognize his face, but you will definitely, I think, recognize some of the movies that he did. Oh, Clash of the Titans. I see that. He did okay. Clash of the Titans. The OG Clash of the Titans. Yeah, he did Jason and the Argonauts from 1963. Interesting. He did... uh, He's a a monster guy. He's a monster guy, yeah. He's He's a monster guy. guy. I love it. I love it. I love how he loves the monsters. Yeah. And so... Oh, I see. Like, the creature that he did in... um, uh, It looks like some... Like, not creature from the Black Lagoon, but it looks like some kind of thing. It looks almost the same. Yeah, he's a big... uh, He's a big creature guy. And this was a direct reference to that. It was it, really cool. The fight was really awesome. I loved seeing the Rodian get his comeuppance. And right. then, yeah, the the kid takes credit for the kill. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was so fucking funny. Because not only does the literally okay, not only does Boba save this child's life, he's like, oh, by the way. I killed this monster. Look, everybody. Look, I have his head and everything. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, you did kill that monster. Good for you. Yeah, like, I I love that it cuts from Boba Fett standing there with the chain in his hand to the kid running around, running up with the head. And I'm like... I love I love this kid. I love this I fucking Tuscan the kid. kid is really this fun. kid is amazing. Um, and then just the one last thing I have is that, you know, I, I like how they culminated the story with like the chief recognized that obviously Boba is the one who killed the monster and saved right. what I'm assuming is his child. So I'm assuming that's the chief's kid because otherwise why else, you know, why would he be important? And 
I think he kind of earned his respect in a way because that's why he gives him the water. Yeah. So we ended with the <laughs> we ended with the concept art. Yes. Uh, apparently, this is going to be a thing in the Mando shows. Uh, we're going to do concept art. Uh, two pieces that I wanted to specifically point out. Uh, I just <laughs> like the one where he's got the he's staring at the racked armor. Uh, and also. Boba versus the Tuscan woman. Uh, in the concept art, they're like around the fire mm. doing it, and it's a larger group. Uh, I wonder how much of that was changed due to COVID safety precautions. I'm, I mean, probably a lot, because if you go back to that scene where they fight for the first time, it's very clearly like, I don't even know if it's the volume. because it's like the, it's, it's the volume. It's got to be the volume. It would, well, it just seemed a little like bare bones, like very much like the screen and the ground. Like there was nothing else. You know what I mean? Like, and you can see it's like the five Tuscan like extras and then it's the warrior and then it's Boba and that's it. Like, it's not a lot. They, they so. clearly wanted it. Like, it almost feels like they wanted them to do a fight beside the fire yeah uh, with more tuscans and ultimately decided let's just do the volume and do this scene differently instead yeah the question of how much of this is actual con- and this is a question i've wondered since the mandalorian how much of this is actual concept art that they did and, not and how much of on. it is stuff that later on yeah i have a feeling a lot of it is later on stuff but then again i mean i here's the no here's what i think it actually I think they take the concept art and they hire somebody to do like high res, very nice looking versions of what the concept art was. So we're not actually seeing the real concept art. We're seeing like a very pretty version of the concept uh, somebody's art. Somebody's prettied it up. Yeah. So I think that's I what it truly that. is. And or they chose like the best of the concept art and they're like, can you make a glamour shot of this? And then they're like, yeah, sure. And then, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the art. Um, I actually, I think that there's like a, I think there's a coffee table book. It's like the art of the Mandalorian season one and two. There's different ones. Um, and it has all the concept art in it along with, I'm assuming sketches and actual like concept art, <laughs> not just the pretty version. Concept art. Like I've, I've looked at art books for the star Wars films and things. People fundamentally misunderstand what concept art is like what it's for. Yeah. But if you go in and look at it, it's one of the things that really I'm glad that they're doing it as the ending for these shows because it's so cool and so underappreciated if you're not the Lord of the Rings. I think the Lord of the Rings was the big one that people were like, holy hell, the concept art for this is incredible because it was done by John Howe and Alan Lee. Star Wars is another one where if you look at like the art of books, they put a lot of effort. And I remember when some of the concept art for Duel of the Fates was circulating around. And it was like, this was sort of early concept art for stuff. This wasn't necessarily something we were planning to do. We were just sort of helping to visualize it. So I'm really, I'm always really glad to see concept art just because that's another department that I feel like goes underappreciated. Speaking as someone who is a writer, who works with, a co-writer who is an artist who does concept art it is super important as a writer to visually see what something looks like i personally really love 
concept art. So that was my concept art spiel. I was like, I'm cutting this whole entire section out. Um, anyway, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, any final thoughts before we, I mean, uh, we didn't mention it, but it was directed by Robert Rodriguez, which is not Obviously. really a surprise um, because he did do essentially the Boba Fett, we'll call it the Boba Fett episode. The Boba uh, Fett episode. Man, he did the backdoor pilot for this. <clears throat> Right. So not surprising. Also, I noticed he's also an executive producer um, on this show. So that was also interesting. Then again, you know, so is Kathleen Kennedy. So what does that really mean, you know, in terms of who's making decisions? Um, uh, well, the but, executive producer title really just means, and, and you know this, but our audience yeah. might not. <laughs> the executive producer title really just means without this person, this show would not have been made. Right. So generally, generally what that means is this person donated a like didn't donate, but went out and secured a lot of the funding. And that's how you got the executive producer title is you were the person right. on the ground running around to people and getting them to pay you a bunch of money to do a thing. Or you're or, just the most important person and you negotiated in your contract that you wanted an executive true. producer title credit. Which is probably how Robert Rodriguez ended up with it. <laughs> which, hey, all, all power to him. You know, I love that. Um, which it also gives him more creative control. That is also show, true. Which is great. That is also true. I would be curious if we're acting, are we acting under film things, which is what I just said, or are we acting under more TV things where the executive producer for tv shows is a lot different yeah because the executive producer of tv shows is generally also the showrunner which i don't yeah. th- i think john favreau is the showrunner mm. for this i mean it this first episode was written by him so it was written by him it was developed so that's not the show was shocking. developed by him and dave so right. like to be fair though i feel like john's gonna have a hand in every star wars show moving forward so it doesn't really matter like what percentage she's uh, involved but it, he'll he'll definitely have a hand definitely this like mando verse that they've carved this yeah, period of the time for sure i don't know how involved he's going to be in like obi-wan kenobi hmm that's a good question because i feel like in this mando verse i don't think obi-wan kenobi counts in the mando verse like i think i like how we're saying mando verse like it's an actual term Mandoverse. um I don't um, think it's going to be super now. relevant. I don't think no, it's going to be super so. relevant to yeah. this particular initiative. Yeah. But something like Ahsoka, he may be right. Decently. No, for sure. I think, I think like they said, it was, it's Mandalorian now book of Boba Ahsoka. And then, <clears throat> and then uh, what would have been squadrons. So Rangers of the new Republic. Ra- or, I'm sorry. Rangers of the new Republic, um, which is so, now, now been rolled into Mandalorian. Right. So, Maybe Boba was their way of doing a third show without like doing a third show. That makes sense. Like, cause they were losing a show. I don't know. We'll see moving forward. We'll see how this turns out. We'll, we'll see how this show, how this show plays out. Uh, yeah. My final thoughts are it's really good. Uh, I really liked it. I liked the focus on Boba as a character. Uh, I was, I was once again, sold mindless hype action uh, and got a, thoughtful moving character piece instead uh damn you lucasfilm for (laughs) fooling me once again final thoughts um i need more fennec shand i need more boba flashbacks uh i need more 
Camino slash holding my dead father's head flashbacks. I need, you know, I need something else besides Tuscan Raiders. I need something, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the Tuscan Raider flashback, but I am worried that once that storyline is concluded in the next episode, which I'm pretty sure it is. I'm not hundred percent sure. I don't know if maybe the whole entire series is going to focus on him with the Tuscan Raiders in the flashbacks. And like, that's, there's different things that happen with that. Or if just the first two episode arc is him with the Tuscans and then we get different flashbacks. I don't know. We'll see. Cause there is a five year period of flashbacks that we're going to get, I guess. So who knows? Next week we are actually for the next five weeks, we are going to have <laughs> guests. Uh, awesome. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, I will not be announcing who they are until the days that the episodes go live, but we've got a, a special lineup of them. We've got some really awesome people. It's all new people except one. We are bringing one person back. So Boo. I hate returning people. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, we have some recurring cast members, Bradley. Uh, oh my gosh, we have recurring cast now. We have recurring cast uh, and then my final final thought is, uh, Tim, I am always available. Please. Oh my. Okay, I'm ending the episode. Thank you. Have a nice day. Thank you for listening to Gold Squadron Gaze. Did we forget something? Email us at goldsquadrongaze at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at goldsquadgaze, and you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at goldsquadrongaze. Subscribe to us on YouTube at Gold Squadron Gaze, where we post this podcast as well as exclusive video content. Please join us next week and every week for another episode of Gold Squadron Gaze. Because that's not going to work. I, I got to read it, otherwise it's going to be so bad. Uh, Bradley, you can't read. <laughs> this is a problem. How how are you doing this week to week? You're breaking the internal continuity logic of the show. I know. Bradley, you can't just change the rules of the universe to tell a good story. You have to be consistent. This is a hard magic system we're working with.